Yeah, I'll just be like the hype woman that comes behind Coco, and I'm like, yeah, Coco. That was exactly what I would say. They're going to be like, what is wrong with this girl? Why does she sound like she's dead inside? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you're going to have to step it up just a bit. Oh, my God. Rose, like, get stage ready. Yeah, I mean, you do do have to get stage ready. (laughs) He's like a stage mom. Rose is stage mom. Literally, he's like, come on, sweetie, come on. We're here to perform. No, I will never be that parent. It's like, you got to. I'm like, listen, you've been practicing for this. He's going to be the hippo that freaking murders you and throws you into the river, and you're going to drown and die. Exactly. It's like, well, that was a piece of shit, kid. They didn't perform like they needed to. Get out. Survival of the fittest. Hello and welcome. Damn it, Nicole. Sorry. (laughs) All right. Fuck it. We'll just keep that there. Hello and welcome back to the Health Unfiltered podcast. My name is Ro and I'm here with the gang, Brooke and Nicole. What's up, ladies? What's up? What's up? What's up? (laughs) It's a Sunday afternoon. Brooke and I are ready to go. Nicole's hungover for some reason. I don't know. The old age has gotten to her, I mm-hmm. think, is what happens. So, mm. you know, as a as a listener, if you need more energy <laughs> from Nicole, put it in the comments. But, you know, <laughs> we're here <laughs> and it's not too bad. How y'all doing today? Well, you know how I'm doing. I'm nursing a two-day <laughs> hangover and <laughs> sipping coffee. Follow me for more health tips. <laughs> Oh my god. Yes. Like no water, just coffee. That's amazing. What, what about you, Brooke? I'm doing great. I'm not drinking either though. Not because I'm hungover, just because I had too much work to do. So just like I'm responsible, mm. I'm working. Wow. Wow. Well, I am also working, but of course. I'm but drinking, I'm drunk. So it's in the contract, ladies. Uh, so, yeah. Roe has saved the podcast it. once again. <laughs> Is that a Corona? I think there's only been... Yeah, yeah. It's left over, and I was like, fuck it. A Corona sounds decent. Sounds good right now. So <laughs> It's like 80 degrees out. I wish I was on a beach or mm-hmm. in Mexico. But Can we do where's, like where's a health beach? unfiltered vacation where we just go somewhere and record podcasts abroad or something? That would be... Awesome. I would love that. Yeah. We just like ask yeah. random people on the streets questions. What, what do you think health is? And they're like, please leave me the fuck alone. Like, no, like, okay, get yeah, out yeah. of my and face. Is... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, well, Brooke, I know you said you weren't drinking, but what are you sipping on? Is it just uh, like a tea or what? I made uh, a little mocktail. Mm. So I have... I did plain coconut water, sprinkle of sea salt. It sounds weird, but it's really good in coconut water. And then I did like muddled strawberry for like a little extra sweetness. Muddled? Uh, what is, what is, what is muddled? muddled? Yeah, I don't. I literally smashed strawberries. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she had in to make that sound way fancier than it was. Or bewildering confusion. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. Mm. Oh, but it does say a muddler is a bartender's tool used to. Use like a pestle to mash. Okay. All right. I usually do like muddled mint in cocktails mm-hmm. or like mm. mocktails. It's good. But I don't have any mint yet because I haven't started my garden because I'm slacking. Damn I started it. mine today. Brooke, you know what? I put, that's, I got, how, that's how we I know. got the beds built and the dirt in them. 
That's about mm, it. You're well, productive when you're hungover. Yeah, I would yeah. be doing that shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like it's She's been like, like I coming can't lead in the waves. podcast, but I love to garden. You're like, okay, all right. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, I got outside for a little bit and it was fine. And then I came in and like sat back down. And I'm like, why do I feel like shit again? I don't yeah, understand what's fair. happening. So we just got to gotta keep you rolling. I'm going to hit you with some hard hitting <laughs> questions. So, um, but yeah, um, cool. Well, we did get a question of the week. Um, this question asks, recently I heard that yoga can lead to hypermobility issues. I would love to know, Ro, what is your professional opinion on yoga? Oh no, on yoga. <laughs> and is there anything someone should be mindful of that regularly practices? I have a question though, before you answer it. <sighs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> save, what? Save breathe. <laughs> what is hypermobility issues? Like you're just like jello? Like you're just like super mobile? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that uh, it kind of depends with um, on the person, right? So it's like if you have like hypermobile hips, um, maybe you um, you like fall into a position a little a little uh, easier, but it's also like not a position that you maybe should be in uh, because you're not like as strong, or mm-hmm. you might have like um, lax joints. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, I'm not like exactly sure what the real definition is, but like me as a as a strength coach and kind of thinking about like sports science and power production, like hyper hyper mobility to me is just like if you're in a in an exceeding range of motion that like you have no business like being in um and it's maybe outside like a normal range but normal is also different for everybody so i don't know um but as far as like yoga yeah i mean i totally um i will give yoga its props for for you know getting someone to breathe and relax and kind of be into like a flow state and um it is it is uh physically taxing if you've never done it Brooke, about a year ago is the first time I actually did it was with you in uh, in uh, North Carolina. I think the only um, reason you did it though is because it was at a brewery. It was at there a brewery. Was yeah. Involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I had this hottie to the right of me, um, and it was good. It was Casey. So Casey, if you're listening, it was you. Please don't be mad. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where uh, I do believe in um, kind of having weakness if you if you're consistently like stretching right so i think a lot of us or a lot of people will be like well my back is sore um i have tight hamstrings whatever um i keep doing yoga and i keep stretching and it's not really working uh and the answer that i give is like well it's not because you're like tight but it's because you're weak so if you can strengthen your glutes if you can strengthen your core and your lower back and your hamstrings then those things won't feel as sore but if you're just like i'm just going to keep doing more yoga getting more and more flexible and losing like tensegrity within the muscle and like stretching out that rubber band then i think that's kind of where people get their issues so if it's if it's something you love to practice and you also have like a strength training regimen and you are like doing other human movements i think it's okay i think it's it's great like i said it's a good time for you to kind of decompress and follow your breath and and maybe work on something that you're not too good at, like balance and holding these warrior positions. I don't know shit about yoga. Um, But if you're like, hey, I'm just going to do yoga and I don't know why I still feel weak. um, 
you know, maybe it's because how often are you like doing like a warrior pose in real life? Like not very often. So it's not a position that transfers much to real life. So, um, yeah, be mindful of that. Really just kind of thinking it's the answer to your soreness or pain when it may just be because you're weak. So <laughs> the tough yeah. news. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a friend who, who like hit me up and she was like, you know, I've been sitting so much. She got, she's crushing it at work. Um, and she's like, but I'm just like sitting so much and everything hurts and like yoga isn't helping anymore. And I'm like, that's weird. Are you doing your lunges and stuff? And she was like, uh, no. And I was like, okay, well, let's get you to work up some actual strength in your lower body. But yeah. And like I said, it's a piece of the puzzle, I think. Um, but not the answer to, to a lot of people's pains. So. Well, how long do you, I, I know you're just going to say it depends, but it depends. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, if someone is having pain and they need to focus on gaining strength in whatever area, is there like a range that you see like improvement in? Like what kind of like time frame? if someone's like consistent with whatever strengthening like exercises you're giving them? does like the pain start to like at least like go down within like a few weeks or how does that look? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I had the answer to pain management, I'd be a fucking billionaire. Right. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with like what the injury may be. Cause if it's like you, you have something that's like injured or torn, then you just need rest. Right. And you need to like mm -hmm. build up capacity and movement. Um, I don't think there's ever really a time where I would be like, hey, just like, unless it's something super severe, like don't do anything, right? It's always kind of like you have to move through certain motions, do as much as you can, whatever. Um, that being said, uh, if it's just like weakness and you have like a, even like a decent program and you're just consistent with it, it's kind of hard to answer as well because like I think healing is also very genetic. Um some people are just prone to being hurt more. Uh, and then also some people are just prone to healing really quickly. So, you know, it's, it's difficult, but I think like weight loss and like strength training and, you know, anything, like if you keep at it, eventually you'd be like, oh, wow, shit, it doesn't hurt to bend over like anymore. Um, I can do this. And I didn't even like think about it. It's been a while. So I, I don't have like a, a full question to that, but doing something consistently for two to three months, like you're going to see changes. Mm -hmm. So just kind of got to keep at it. Difficult, difficult thing to answer. <laughs> so, well, you, you did a great row still answering. <laughs> and I was, thanks, Bob. I can tell you were trying not to anger the yogis. Like I'm sure you'd anger <laughs> yeah. the vegans in the past. So I give well, it a B know, plus. It's, it's, it's <laughs> that's, that's cool. All I do is shoot for B pluses. So, <laughs> Grades don't matter, people. Um, and if you're in school, <laughs> then they definitely don't matter. So mm -hmm. it's true. Cool. <laughs> Some wisdom from a PhD student. So let's move on uh, to the actual podcast. Um, this one's going to be definitely more Nicole focused. So if you love it, turn it up. If you hate it, turn it off. <laughs> I'm just Great. Kidding. Thank listening. you. Um, but... <laughs> the hype man, uh, everyone. Did we say yeah. that to you when we introed you last week? <laughs> no, because everyone loves me and it's interesting oh, always. God. So. <laughs> anyway Nicole um, hungover threw up in her mouth a little bit I'm, like, oh, I'm signing it's not, off that wasn't me though that was whatever she did on Friday so um, <laughs> yeah Nicole uh, and, and I guess for all of us one of the one of the biggest concerns with intuitive eating 
um, is that health is is kind of tossed to the side and people are going to eat whatever they want, whenever they want. There's no awareness towards like hunger, fullness, and like, you know, the nutrient profiles of, of foods. Um, so, so really what I think what we're going to do in this episode is like, Nicole's going to talk about, you know, or is going to like take a deeper dive um, through one of the 10 key principles to intuitive eating. Uh, and that's, I believe it's the last principle, right? Principle yep. 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is honoring your health with gentle nutrition. Um, so hopefully for those of you who may be hesitant about health at every size and intuitive eating, and it's like, oh, well, it's just kind of, you know, there, there's no boundaries. I can just kind of do whatever the hell I want. Um, this gives you some insight. So um, we're just going to shed a little bit more light on how restrictive eating or restrictive dieting um, it's definitely not the answer to reaching your nutrition and wellness goals, especially like long term, uh, and how you can honor your health through finding a plan that works for you and your body. So um, going to be a bit of an introspective podcast. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because it's like opposite of what I think all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> this so, will yeah. be good. Yes. I know. Right? I'm going to fight you. No, I won't. Oh, great. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, That's we talked about the temp- yeah, I was like, I got this. I got this, guys. Uh, so we've talked about the 10 principles uh, in depth um, in one of our earlier episodes. Anyone remember what episode that that was? I want to say it was like the in, first, in, like, within the first five. Oh, but nice. I don't, we came I don't. out swinging. Oh, also, happy half year. Our half year episode oh, was yeah. last year. Last year. Last week. Last year. <laughs> it was. 26. Really? Yeah, it was 26 episodes. That's half of 52, right? Look at us. Yes. Oh, thank God. I'm horrible <laughs> at math, so. <laughs> uh, oh, thank God. But yeah, so so we've made it. Uh, we made it. But anyway, um, <laughs> Nicole, can you give us a, a quick overview on the 10th and last principle that we'll be talking about today? Yeah, so the 10th principle, which is the final principle of intuitive eating, is titled Honoring Your Health with Gentle Nutrition. And this principle focuses on tying together taste and health when it comes to what we eat. So this principle touches a lot of something that we talk about on the podcast. And that's, you know, we're really looking for progress over perfection. And there really is no perfect way to eat. So you don't all of a sudden become unhealthy or have nutrient deficiencies or, you know, a bunch of problems within your health just from like one meal or one day of eating. And so this principle reminds us that it's what we do consistently over time that has impact on our health and that satisfaction and enjoyment should be a part of your health habits. Yeah. I mean, that's like the the message to almost everything we say, right? Like, hey, you just got to keep showing up. Mm-hmm. And it's some days are going to suck. Some days are going to be good. Like, but that's, that is like progress over perfection, you know? Um, and so much of it is like enjoyment, you know, like mm-hmm. today I, I was lifting and I was like, I'm not really enjoying this, but if that was me every time, I wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like that would be so horrible to look at this as a, as a chore. Uh, and I can't imagine like f- food being that all the time for forever like that sounds like a really kind of a really bummy and shitty way to to live so um i like that principle for sure Mm -hmm. um yeah because i think you know um 
I really love being able to talk about how like satisfaction is a part of our eating world because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think as human beings, like we almost need that motivation to like, we need all these like motivators to keep us reproducing, to keep us eating, to keep us sleeping, to keep us like going to the bathroom to like empty our bladder. Because if we don't do those things, we die. Like something's (laughs) going to get fucked up and like, you're like we can't not sleep we can't not pee we can't like not have sex and reproduce if we want human race to continue like (laughs) it's just so i mean it's the same thing with food if you are finding satisfaction in that it's going to be that motivator to continue to eat so you continue to stay fueled and satisfied yeah love it so why do you think that honoring your health and talking about nutrition specifics is the last principle um of intuitive eating because I feel like I feel like if if you're going to you know set a set rules or set boundaries or guidelines whatever you want to call them the first one is like hey like enjoy yourself you know like why is this the last one yeah so when people enter the intuitive eating process they are more than likely coming from years or even decades of food rules dieting and restriction so in the beginning we actively focus on why diets don't work and we do this by listing out all the different diets you've tried throughout your lifetime how did that diet make you how did those diets make you feel how long did they last were they sustainable were they enjoyable and then we move into that honoring your hunger and making peace with food and If you're coming off of decades of dieting that purposefully like pull you away from being able to identify when you're hungry and on top of that, like they probably made you fear certain foods or food groups such as like carbs, sugar, fat, pizza, dairy, like all these, you know, normal things we hear about, whatever it may be. It's really important that we tackle this issue first because If we dive straight into specifics around nutrition, it can be easy for clients to think, oh, this is just another diet dressed up in a new outfit. And um, this doesn't mean that nutrition isn't important. It absolutely is. But it's not going to do you any good to help you increase your fruits and vegetables or like whatever it is that you're needing to work on if you're terrified to eat bread or rice or add real butter to a recipe. It's also not going to make much of a difference if you can't even identify if you're actually hungry or when you're full. So it's important for us to continuously discuss other important factors of health as well, which we brought up in the podcast, like the social determinants of health. Um, If the science and the CDC points to the fact that health behaviors, aka like what we eat is a part of that only accounts for about 25% of our overall health, isn't it like just as important, if not more important, that we get into these other factors as well? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And oh, go ahead, Brooke, sorry. I was just going to say that that makes a ton of sense as to why weight. It's, it's always shocking to me how common it is for people not to just be in touch with their hunger cues. So it makes sense that you would want to tackle something like that before diving mm-hmm. into kind of more in-depth principles yeah yeah and i i think of it also as like uh if you were like a a a young kid who was like restricted all the time by your parents and then like you go to college and and then you just kind of become this free-range chicken and you're like (laughs) i'm just gonna fucking smoke and drink and do all these things i wasn't allowed to do 
and you know sometimes it's great and then sometimes it like sets you up for failure based on like a lot of things and i think that's kind of how you can think about the nutrition too right where it's like hey you've been restricted all this time like if i'm just like hey go and enjoy yourself mm-hmm. that's not gonna that's not gonna work right yeah. that's like the nutshell version of that yeah and you know there's a lot of fear with this as well because so many people who regardless if they're like coming to an intuitive eating dietitian or even like like with Brooke a performance dietitian um like athletic performance and nutrition and all those things they still have like a lot of our clients still have this fear of if i add this certain thing back into my life like i'm going to lose control i'm going to lose all this progress I think I've already gained on my own. And it's just like that fear of the unknown of what's going to happen to my body. And there's a lot of emphasis on what our bodies look like. And I think that's why it's really important for us to continue to like push back of like, it really needs to come down to how like you're feeling and those behaviors and what it's leading you to Um, performance wise, you know, whatever it is that your goals are. So I think that fear also just can really like overtake you and just be like, nope, I can't do this. Because if you already think that like you're addicted to sugar and then here I am being like, it's okay to eat cookies and have sugar. (laughs) And like, we need to kind of like dive into making peace with this food. They're just like, what are you saying? Like like, their brains just cannot even like understand. (laughs) baby steps yeah yeah so i would say that fear is common even in the performance space especially surrounding carbohydrates Mm -hmm. even you see a lot of um uh, i guess that's the right word like fear processed foods you know and like this whole eat clean mentality i would say you see a lot of that you know it's not just i don't know what i'm trying to say but it's not just the people (laughs) that are like oh i I would, I'm interested in intuitive eating. I think it's really right. common in every dimension. And I see it like with athletes. That's what I'm trying to yeah. get at. I'm not even joking <laughs> <Yeah>. tonight. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, cause we think we're going to get this like gold star if we're able mm. to healthify everything that we, like how many things can we make out of cauliflower? Like, why are we doing that? Why are we still doing that? Gross. Why does it matter? There's all these other food groups that are already like natural in you know, the earth, (laughs) they come from the ground pretty much. Um, So yeah, it's just, we think that we're kind of going to get that gold star if we're perfectly eating. Brooke, it looks like Jesus is coming back behind you. I know, right? (laughs) I know. I don't. (laughs) It's the sun coming in. We're being enlightened. It's the glow up. It's the glow up. It's the second return. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing would shock me in 2021. So Yeah, it would shock me if you were the second return. I'd be like, like, damn, I thought she was the Antichrist. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, two things to, to say to what you all just said. One is stop trying to convince us that cauliflower is better tasting. It's mm. not, you know, like just you're lying to yourself <laughs> for that for that fake gold star. Um, and yeah, I mean, e- even like even some of the the athletes um, we train, like I, I remember uh, we had a former UFC athlete, like he kept asking me, like, you know, what should I eat after I work out? Because like, you know, I... I I feel like it should only be oatmeal. And I was like, 
Uh, well, it's like a carb is a carb for the most part. So like as long as you're, I mean, I didn't tell him to go and eat ice cream, you know, uh, or candy. But I was like, hey, like it doesn't have to be oats. Like you're eating beans and rice. Like that's great if that's what like fits in your into your diet. Um, but then he was also like somehow was told from like a bodybuilding friend, which also like if you're an athlete and you're listening to what like a bodybuilder is doing, like two totally, totally different things. Yeah. Don't listen to them. Uh, But he was like, you know, when I'm trying to weight cut, like I I eat tilapia because like it thins the skin. And I was like, it's not a thing, dude. Uh, What? Stop. Like stop thinking about. Yeah. It's like, I don't know why bodybuilders like came up with that, but wouldn't that be really bad for us? Uh, yeah, I don't well, know. Like your skin I, is like I your protective know. barrier to the but, outside I mean, <laughs> world. <laughs> but it's like if I can thin it and become more vascular, you know, like that makes sense in a, like a bodybuilding perspective. But like as an athlete, like who gives a fuck what your your skin looks like? What oh my talk? god! Can Please perform, keep your like... skin on your body. Stop <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, so we will have to get into, like, uh, some specifics a little later. But before we get, before we get like, into that, um, specifics around nutrition, uh, we can, like, <clears throat> and what we can uh, look to add to honor our health and our eating world. Like, what would you say are other factors that we should consider when it comes to a healthy relationship with food? You know, we keep talking about how, like, you have mm-hmm. to have a healthy relationship. But, like, what does that even mean? Yeah. I think a huge thing like we just talked about with the fear is we see a lot of food worry and I think that really stems from every single day we're seeing something new in the media of like what we should avoid, what we should add, um, what new diet is out there and this causes a lot of confusion and fear around food. Um, and you know, it's kind of something I said at the very beginning of the podcast too, is like, there is no perfect way to eat. And we should know that by now for how many, like, think of all the diets out there and how so many of them are like direct opposite of one another. So you think about paleo and then you think about keto and you think about, you know, all these other mainstream ones, like some of them tell you to only eat fat when then other diets tell you to cut out all fat or vice versa with like carbohydrates. So that, like I said, obviously like even me just saying that out loud, like it's confusing. Like what am I supposed to eat? What am I not supposed to eat? And why is this so hard? So in the intuitive eating book, they bring up how the media can drive us to either believe that food has the power to either kill us or heal us. And Um, which is super interesting because like if I I mean, like I said, whatever you ate ate yesterday is not going to like all of a sudden just like screw you over to where you're never going to be healthy or good again. Um, so it has salmonella. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe like, unless it's like actually poison. Um, (laughs) anything I cook. Yeah. (laughs) So nutrient profile matters and has an impact on our health, but Drinking a shot of apple cider vinegar every morning or taking a specific supplement every day isn't going to allow you to all of a sudden live forever or never have to take another sick day off of work again. Um, You know, this is just like our body is going to experience illness. It's going to experience pain like we talked about with the question of the week. And, you know, food is going to be important in those healing processes, but, and it is important to our overall health, but there isn't a need to like 
worry and stress so deeply about it. Um, You can't be worried about everything that you put into your mouth and also experience enjoyment. And like I said, that's a huge part when it comes to eating and having that healthy relationship with food is being able to enjoy it. You also can't begin to look inward, learning what hunger actually feels like in your body or what fullness feels like in your body. If you're hopeful that another superfood or supplement is right around the corner and is going to save you from all your problems. Yeah. I mean, that's, that makes so much sense, right? If I'm like, oh, an acai bowl is the only thing that's going to make me feel better. And mm-hmm. even if I'm like like eating super well and I don't have an acai bowl, you're like, oh, fuck, I don't feel as good as I used to or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like you definitely trick yourself or you can mm-hmm. at least. Yeah, that yeah. placebo effect. I feel like the way this looks like with athletes is you'll tell them like, hey, we need to stop eating all of your calories at night and spread it out throughout the day so you're actually <laughs> fueling your training session. And they're like, no, no, I just want you to answer my question if I should do the BCAs, the greens, and the protein all at the same time or spread <laughs> yeah. that out. And I'm like, what? You're missing the whole point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, when do I take creatine? Like, shut the fuck up. Oh, <laughs> like, man. Yeah. You know, Nicole, I think you, um, you brought up a – an interesting point. So I know that like, obviously we're not talking about exercise, but there's been like a huge movement that like exercise is medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I challenge that because like medicine is medicine, you know, exercise is like a bare minimum thing that like you should be doing. And, and I, I draw parallels to, to what you say about like food being medicine. Like, mm-hmm. of course, food is going to, to make you healthy. It can keep you healthy, but it's also a double-edged sword, right? It could be the reason that you are unhealthy and, and everything, but like, I, I'm just, you know, kind of side tangent, side tangent. Like what are you, what are your, both your thoughts on like exercise being medicine or food being medicine? Uh, sorry, Ro, you just froze on me. Oh. So I did not hear the question. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah. I, I talked about how like, um, exercises medicine and and how that or people like really believe in that mm-hmm. and i think that medicine is medicine and exercise is exercise kind of bare minimum um but for like nutrition a lot of people will say the same thing where it's like food and nutrition are medicine but it's like it's just a part of like being healthy and, and medicine is medicine so mm-hmm. uh that's just those are just my thoughts and i was just kind of wondering what both of your thoughts were on that yeah so I do believe that food is a very important substance when it comes to our well-being and our health, but I do not believe that food replaces medication in a sense like if you think about how we just experienced this global pandemic. Mm-hmm. What we did or did not eat could not have stopped coronavirus from coming in and you know impacting our entire world. So And now we have a vaccine coming. We have multiple vaccines coming out. And I believe like that is important and that is needed. But there are certain like when we had Amy on, like her having that personal decision when it came to her autoimmune disease um, with MS and choosing to take this more holistic approach and using food to really feel good in her body that I do believe can like it has its place. But I still believe that medicine is important and is something that we do need as we evolve and experience different disease and pandemics or whatever it may be. So I believe that they both have a 
super huge impact on health, but I still believe they have their own place in their own category categories, if that makes sense. Yeah. That makes total sense. I might be the outlier here. I'll talk <laughs> through it and you guys tell me Wrong. how you feel. So I do think that food I do think that food has the ability to be healing. And yeah. I do think at the root of a lot of disease states um and a, a lot of when people are experiencing a lot of symptoms i do think a lot of the times nutrition is one of those buckets that can help i really do and i think that that's important but i also think it's a little naive to think that's the only thing that matters and that you're going to just ignore all of modern medicine to just focus in on food i truly think this is actually a blend that you have to figure out what you're comfortable with and what's right for you and I also think it lays this foundation, food and exercise lays this foundation to make you more resilient and healthy. And so in that way, you could argue that it does have kind of the properties of, it isn't medicine, but you're building it up. So maybe you don't need quite as much medicine. I, I do yeah. believe in kind of like that underlying foundation and the healing properties of it for sure. No, yeah. I, yeah. I don't think that you're an outlier. I think that's kind of like what we all, yeah, what all three of us at least like prescribe to where it's it's a portion of it it's a really important portion of it and like i said it's it's like anything else where if you have too much of it then then you could get sick or be diseased because things like diabetes and obesity and whatever but um you can also yeah. overdo nutrition like you can yeah. you can have a toxic amount of healthy foods or micronutrients like there certainly <laughs> needs to be a balance and salads you have kill to be you smart. people don't have salads. They're bad well, for you. <laughs> people will do these like macro vitamin doses and you have to be careful because you no. can hurt yourself if you're just like, well, I think that this massive dose of vitamin A is going to like build my mm. immunity. And it's like, no, it actually is yeah. really damaging to your liver and might cause some issues. You know, so mm. that kind of we just need to think through some of it and people need to have like a critical eye on everything. So if someone's trying to sell, subscribe to any type of extreme, just like question them. Whether yeah. it's using food as medicine or anything else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Moderation is key. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, sorry to go on that like kind of side tangent, but I was like, oh, you said nutrition and medicine. So just wanted to hear the thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, but going back to um, intuitive eating and, and kind of what we talked about, like what what's some of the research? Like what, what, are, what are things that are kind of um, teaching us or at least like, implying that this way of thinking is is uh i don't want to, i don't want to say better but is reasonable maybe um behind food worry and and how that impacts our health like mm -hmm. is this just a bunch of i think hoopla uh is the second time i've said it this week <laughs> is this just a bunch of like you know bullshit or you know is there science behind behind food worry and how mm -hmm. that can impact our health yeah, I really love this because um, the intuitive eating book actually has like an entire section of all of the science behind intuitive eating. And I think to date, there's over 125 published research, um, published research that alludes to like the benefits of intuitive eating. But one of those um, researchers is actually a food psychologist, Paul Rosen, and he actually got a research team together at the University of Pennsylvania and conducted a study of four countries and found that France is actually the most food pleasure oriented and the least health oriented, meaning they just don't like 
my, like they don't analyze every little thing that goes into their body. They're not like, oh, I have to have like perfect macronutrients, perfect micronutrients, things like that. And in contrast, they found that Americans have the worst of both worlds, meaning that we worry the most about what we <laughs> eat and we <laughs> and we have the we have greater dissatisfaction for what we eat. And on top of that, our health continues to be a topic of concern. So Rosen concluded that the negative impact of worry and stress over healthy eating may actually have an even greater effect on health than the actual food we consume. We also know from many research studies that chronic stress causes a pretty harmful um, chemical reaction in our bodies, which we know to be super harmful to our overall health. And furthermore, the French have a longer life expectancy, they spend less money on medication, they have significantly less heart disease, heart disease death rates, and they in- actually engage in diet- dieting behaviors less than the U.S. population. Um, they consume less diety foods, so that would be like low-fat or light foods, what they're like labeled at at the store, and they spend more time eating food without distraction, which is a huge part of this process as well. That's really interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I th- like how much of that is, you know, like societal and how much of it is just like a lot of the control that, that media and corporations have here to be like, yeah, this is wrong. Eat this instead. And like mm-hmm. just kind of following trends and pushing more stuff. So, um, yeah, I wonder. I wonder why the French. So, well, have like you that. ever been to Europe, Ro? <laughs> no, I have not. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you <laughs> do go, um, you will notice it's just they live a very different life. They have shorter work days. They, they like physically have to leave the office for lunch breaks. Like they're not allowed to stay at their desk and eat. And Imagine. when they go out for lunch break, like they have like two hours to sit and talk and just decompress. And there isn't this like sense of urgency like it is here. It's not like you only get 30 minutes and honestly, you better not even like take your lunch break. You need to like keep it at your desk. And so there's a lot of interesting research around that of where we have, we're just, we're so like we're trying to juggle so many things at once and that impacts the way we eat. It impacts like our overall health of like, how can we show up for ourselves and take care of ourselves if we're constantly having this like outer stress of, I need to just like focus on this job or whatever else that like you don't even care about. Like it's like the thing that you hate (laughs) the most that you like give so much time and energy to. And obviously like it's a little different with us. Like, because we're trying to build something we love and do something that we love, but we definitely still work a lot. I know I still like eat at my desk and like do those things, but it's very interesting when you kind of like take a step back. And especially if you ever go and you're able to see it with your own two eyes, you're just like, what's happening here? (laughs) (laughs) I do. I like what you brought up about the urgency. I do. Like when I was working in previous jobs, they would always act like, oh, you should take this time to like, go take a lunch break. Like, just come mm-hmm. back whenever. But also, here's nine things you need to do when you only have time to do four. <laughs> yeah, and I'm right. like, what, yeah. dude? Like, you're telling, you're giving me these con- competing things. Like, what mm-hmm. do you really value? And I also think, I wish the United States would, would rethink our work culture and like this rat race. Because mm-hmm. I think, <laughs> I really do. Because I think that 
it affects our health in a lot of different ways and it makes us make poor decisions when it comes to food and nutrition because we constantly use the excuse, I'm too busy, I don't have time, I'm too stressed, and that's why things spiral. And it's just like we're kind of digging ourselves in this our own hole because we're just constantly trying to be in this wheel that is the never-ending production cycle of American mm-hmm. culture. And it's crazy because the whole idea of technology and all the things that we have access to now we always thought that we would go to like four day work weeks. We thought we, that as we uh-huh. went into the future that we would work less and it's just made us work more like having this, like not like this consistent access to everything. Like, I mean, I remember when I was younger, my mom didn't have a laptop. She didn't have a cell phone, so she couldn't check her email when she came home from work. Like no one could get a hold of her until the next day when she walked through the front doors. And so it's mm-hmm. very interesting how we live now. Yeah. Eat the rich baby. No, but yeah, it, it is. <laughs> I he definitely... says that until he is the rich. Exactly. <laughs> know, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> and then I'm like, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Yeah, I, <laughs> I you know, I think uh, that that's that's those are all good and, and fair points. And and yeah, like I don't. Last night I went out to dinner with Casey, and I was like, oh, like put my phone away, and we just it was nice. So we sat outside and we just enjoyed dinner, and like there was no like me being like fuck, I got to check this and this and this. And I was like, wow, I should, do, I should do this more often. When Even when I'm like snacking, it's because like I'm looking at something or my attention is somewhere else. So um, yeah, it's a really good point. Um, mm-hmm. So going, I guess moving forward, uh, one of the biggest concerns that we hear from uh, really anyone, both health professionals and potential or current clients um, is that intuitive eating or that eating intuitively uh, will lead to that out of control uh, eating. Um, what do you say? What do you say to people that that may worry about this? Because I think that, yes, we've we've talked about like, oh, you know, don't worry or we'll move through it. But what are things that you were actually saying to your clients so that people kind of get a better idea of how this process works? Yeah. I think there are a few things that we unpack here and it's obviously going to be different for everybody, but I definitely think that all of us would agree that portion sizes in America continue to increase, especially in restaurants, and that this can be hard for clients trying to establish an overall like positive relationship with food plus reach their goals. So going through the process of intuitive eating and eventually identifying as an intuitive eater doesn't mean that you'll never eat past that satisfied or comfortable fullness level. But for the most part, research does show that those who are truly attuned with hunger, fullness, and satisfaction do not struggle with overeating or with portion control. Distraction, like we said earlier, is also a huge factor here. And it's also going to be a pretty big predictor of overeating. So if you find yourself scarfing down breakfast or lunch in the car on the way to work, or if you're eating at your desk or watching Netflix while you eat, you're much more likely to be eating past your fullness and struggle with portion sizes and stopping when you're satisfied or comfortably full. So not only will we be working on making peace with foods, you may be scared to add back into your eating world, but we're also identifying what hunger and fullness feels like in your body. And we're getting rid of things like distraction and adding back in satisfaction in your eating. 
this all comes together to create a happy marriage and portion control and not overeating. And eating enough is also super huge here. So I feel like I say this a lot on these episodes, but if you're over restricting, you're almost 100% going to experience some level of binge eating or overeating. Um, You're also going to be causing a lot of harm to your metabolism in the process. So when you don't eat enough for your, your metabolism will slow down to preserve energy and carbohydrates. And that's what your body needs to survive and thrive. That's what it's fueled on. So when you choose to feed your body with adequate calories, you're also choosing to feed your metabolism. And the higher your metabolism is, the more food you get to eat. So it's a win-win and those are probably the main things that we kind of like unpack when a client is really struggling or just really fearful of going into that like out of control feeling area. Yeah. I I like what you said about metabolism because I think so many people kind of truly lack understanding in like what metabolism is. It's, it's really just your body breaking down or burning food, right? It's not like Mm -hmm. people are like, oh, I have like a slow metabolism. Like, yeah, because you don't do things. You know what I mean? And so (laughs) I I think there has to be like a little caveat there. Uh, It's not like you can just like eat a ton and then you're like, oh, my my metabolism is sped up, right? Like you Mm -hmm. are going to burn more if you have more food, sure. But having more food and being less restrictive means that intuitively your body's like, hey, I have energy to go do things that I haven't done before. Or like, it's not like, hey, can we go out on a hike? And you're like, well, I'm just really tired. But it's like, oh, I've been feeling myself really well for the past couple months. And I'm like, ready to just try new things. And like, yeah, I, now I want to go and be active. Um, I think a lot of people really doubt that your body is like smarter than you. Mm-hmm. If you cut out and restrict a lot of food, you're going to feel tired and you're going to be like, I don't want to do things. Even if you have like the greatest mindset in the world, like sometimes you can't beat physiology. Most times, all the times you can't beat physiology, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, you allow yourself to burn more when you eat more because you want to do more. Um, and, and I think that that's like important to understand because, you know, I don't, I don't want some, um, someone who's like really critical of this, this style of eating or practice to be like, Oh, yeah, like they just said, you know, you have to eat more and then like your metabolism will make it better. Like, no, we know that that's not how that works. We know that if you eat way more than you're supposed to, that you are not as active as maybe you probably should be, then you will, you know, put on weight. Maybe if you do it for a really long time, kind of fall into more disease state. But it's all really linked into like at a deeper level than than you might actually think it is. Yeah. And when I say eat more, that is mainly in terms of if you are overly restricting Mm -hmm. and you're not eating into like, you're not eating to like comfortable fullness. Like you're still hungry after you finish eating, meaning like you didn't eat enough. It's really, that's why like I said, you know, one of the first things we kind of go over is like, what does hunger feel like? What does fullness feel like? Because we really do want you to be at that like comfortable, satisfied level after you have finished eating. We don't really want to see you go into that uncomfortably full, almost feel sick because that's also going to have adverse effects. Um, So when I say eat more, it's, it really means like eat 
what your body needs based on your activity, your goals, and where you feel comfortably like satisfied and full. Because that's where your metabolism is going to stay happy and do all the things for you that it wants to do. I love it. Love it. <laughs> all right. Uh, so now that we've debunked some of the concerns around intuitive eating um, and really have provided like very helpful information around why having a healthy relationship with food is is really important for long term and short term success. Um, let's let's dive a little deeper in and look at like the actual nutrition. So what does the quality or the nutrition specifics with intuitive eating look like? Because you're telling me that there are guardrails, right? Mm -hmm. But does and it doesn't just mean that we can like eat whatever, but like what are some of the nutrition things that we're thinking about? Yeah. So once you've established that diets don't work and you're 100% never going back to that life because you want to be happy and healthy, we've <laughs> established what hunger, fullness, and satisfaction looks like for you and your eating world um, and your goals. And you're able to successfully like push back when the food police kind of come your way and tell you, oh, you really should be eating this or you should trade this out for that. Um, and you're able to identify that your body is worthy of respect and taking care of. Then we get into the specifics around nutrition and what that looks like for you. And it kind of looks the way most people would think it would look. So that means eating enough fruits and vegetables, eating enough grains, preferably lots of whole grains, adding in fish, getting those omega-3s, drinking enough fluids, decreasing those processed foods, plus allowing yourself to honor cravings and favorite foods without guilt. This is 100% not a trap. We're not trying to go through this whole process where we work to make peace with food and incorporate the like some of your favorite foods back into your eating world just to get to the end of this and say, never mind, these got to go now. So <laughs> it really is about like figuring out what habits are important to you. Um, have you realized that you're not really hydrated and that drinking water throughout the day is really hard for you? That's, that would be a specific nutrition thing that we look at. Are you noticing that you're scared of grains or you're not really incorporating a lot of fiber into your day-to-day? -day? That can be a specific nutrition thing that we work on with including fruits and vegetables and then also looking at those whole grains. So it's really kind of like what does your current eating world look like and how do you want to enhance it? And that's where we get specific with nutrition. Yeah. I think that that's so great because, you know, for, for me, like I, I said, I don't know if this last, last podcast or a couple episodes ago where I was like, yeah, I started eating breakfast again. And it just like feels good to like eat something. And I love, I go waffles. I love my protein bars. Like that's just something like a taste I got used to. And, and I feel, and I felt like adequately fueled, but there's just something about throwing, you know, vegetables in, into an omelet and cheese and being like, Oh, this is so much better, man. <laughs> it's just so good. And, I, and you know, and then I have like yogurt and a bagel and potatoes and whatever. And I'm like, I feel I feel full. I, this is good. And it's not like I'm like in a rush to just like chow food down and be like, yeah, I know this is going to get me through the day and my workouts. But like I'm sitting there. I'm enjoying the food. I am like actively like, oh, I get I got vegetables today, which was like not a thing that was happening um, for too long. Uh, but then, then I makes me, makes me crave the, the vegetables and fruits more because I'm like, Oh, like 
I'm not a sweets person, so I don't eat like candy and stuff. But like, if I have strawberries all the time, then I'm like, well, now I want more strawberries and these schnozberries taste like schnozberries. I think that's two <laughs> weeks in a row. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like it's it it is such a like such a little thing that like just builds upon itself. And I'm like, well, I really want an orange today. You know, like I, and it's going to be cold and it's going to remind me of when I played soccer as a kid and you got snacks and it's just going to be a good time eating these damn oranges. Um, but yeah, like that takes, takes so much time and, and Mm -hmm. it's just like a consistent thing. Yeah. And I think that's what sucks about our area sometimes is because the thing with dieting and fad diets is they all promise a for the most part, quick fix. It's always Mm -hmm. between a couple weeks to 30 days, maybe even 60 days, but it takes time. It takes so much time. And even if it like, even if it takes an entire year, like that is so worth it. When you think about all the years that you have after that, and you never have to worry about Mm -hmm. this again, you never have to worry about, am I going to have to go on a new diet? Am I going to have to like, do I know if I'm getting the right nutrients for me? Do I know if I'm getting enough fluids? Like it's worth it to not have this worry and confusion and frustration around food anymore. And regardless, like I said, you know, I do intuitive eating, but like Brooke does the same thing. Like she sets you up for success to where you're going to go on after you work with her and you're going to be Gucci. You're not going to have to like go Mm -hmm. find another dietitian and like undo all the shit that you've done to your body. (laughs) So yes, it takes time and yes, it's frustrating, but like having that professional in your corner who cares about you and is really trying to set you up for that long-term success is super huge here. And the more that like you're in attuned with your body and your needs, the more enjoyment you're going to get out of this because yeah, you might go on a weekend trip and go balls to the wall with like alcohol and sweets and processed food but you then you like being able to like have that non-judgmental relationship with yourself your body and food is gonna allow you to come back and be like you know what that weekend was a lot of fun I'm glad I got to do that with my friends but I want all the fruits and veggies right now because I just want to feel good. Mm -hmm. And that's what matters here. How do you feel and like how do you want to consistently feel? Like I said, you're going to have those eating experiences that may leave you feeling a little uncomfortable and not super awesome in your body, but you're going to be able to like realize that and then wake up the next day and make a different decision. Yeah. And I think it expands or expand uh, (laughs) to to daily stuff too, right? It's not, it's not just like vacations, right? This like once in a couple weeks or months, however you vacation, Mm -hmm. however long you vacation. But so like for me, I... I've had a lot of fun masking in the past year. Like it's been awesome. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, cut 15 pounds, like whatever. Uh, and like I track my, my weight daily. I think we've talked about this before. And uh, I had pizza one night and like the next day, like obviously my weight shot up. And so like it, and I'm air quoting, like ruined my weekly average because now it's like, it was like a pound when it, you know, should have been pound and a half, two pounds. But I'm like, yeah, but I had pizza and it was great and I got to enjoy it. And like, I know that it was because of pizza and not just because I like gained three pounds of fat. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how this works. Um, but I think that that's, that's really great. And, and something else is that like, I think diets 
I, I don't want to say work. I think the marketing of diet works um, because everyone is kind of like a food police, right? Where they're like, oh, you shouldn't have this. You shouldn't have And you hear it mm-hmm. so much, right? And then you start to think and then you tell the people, they start to think whatever. But like I have a, a client who's a strong man and we're just working on like, like, hey, man, just just be a little better about your eating habits. And he's like, kind of he's dialed in his nutrition his sleep his stress his food like and it's taken six weeks of just being like checking in and being like how are you doing today good how is how's this going and so when he was talking to one of his coworkers about like why she missed uh i think she was going for like some pr he was like what how did you sleep like have you been stressed at work what did you eat beforehand and like all these questions that like he normally would not have fucking asked, you know, he would have been like, oh, should have should have had more caffeine and like kind of tough through it, you know. But like as as you as you work with with people like Nicole, with people like Brooke, and and you learn things, then you get to you get to kind of go and like change other people's lives because you're being, uh, what's the opposite of police? I don't know, but you're not being a food police, right? You're being like, Hey, like, have you thought about this? Like, what about your More sleep? Like an and, advocate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're a food advocate. Right. Um, but, but I think that like that, that's the way that something like this changes is like, you are playing an active role in taking control of like your health and, and challenging the things that you were told. And then you kind of inherently do that with other people where they're like, oh, like, why are you eating that? And you're like, oh, because I enjoy it. And they're like, oh, <laughs> you can just do you that. You can do like, that. <laughs> yeah, you, you can. Oh, and you're still really strong and good at your your uh, sport. Like, yep. My God, that's crazy. I think the funniest part about being a dietitian is that people, when they find out you're a dietitian in like a social setting, they'll make some type of joke assuming that you're the food police and then they'll yeah. turn around and they'll be the food police like you eat that as a dietitian and i'm like yeah. do you see what you just did there you see that <laughs> oh Let's you're the authority now crazy <laughs> yeah yeah i my boss said that every time his uh him and his wife go out and they ask what she does and she's a dietitian uh She's like, oh, I work in like finance because she doesn't want to deal with people being like, oh, what do you think about keto? What do you think? What she's like, mm-hmm. fuck it, I'm not on the clock. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, any any, um, I guess final thought to like culminating ideas you might have to people who are, you know, on the fence about this or are really looking to to dive in a hundred percent into intuitive eating. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would say constantly remind yourself that it's progress over perfection and Mm -hmm. that your eating habits and your eating world is allowed to look different from the person next to you and the person next to them. We're not all meant to live the same life, eat the same things and have the same goals. So, you know, really just kind of like focus in on how does your body feel and how do you want it to feel and what are the habits that can lead you to that And obviously like working with a professional is going to get you there quicker, even though it won't be quick, you know, it will still take, you know, six months to a year of consistently like working with someone and like kind of like going through these thoughts and habits and patterns that you've kind of adopted either from diet culture or whatever it may be. And yeah, I mean, you gotta, you really have to like decide for yourself what it is that you want out of life. And I know that it's 
easy to believe that the new diet is going to get you that. But if if they worked, like we still we wouldn't still be coming up with them, you know, like we wouldn't <laughs> have a new diet every other month if they worked. <laughs> yeah. You got to risk it to get the cauliflower biscuit. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brooks just shaking her head like, you fucking idiot. If you uh, ever give me a cauliflower biscuit, I'm out. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> no. No. It tastes horrible. Like, I drew the line at pizza crust. That's just criminal. Oh, yeah. yeah. <sighs> you know who pushes pizza crust? Trader Joe's. All right. Um, <laughs> cool. So just as a little outro here. Um Nicole and myself, I don't know if that's proper grammar, uh, are currently still accepting clients. Um, I do exercise in performance, sports performance, sports science, things like that. Uh, Nicole is our intuitive eating and health at every size dietitian. Uh, clearly very smart, knows what she's talking about, is extremely passionate. Thank you for that episode. Uh, it was really yeah. great. Um, and then Brooke is a dietitian specializing in athletic performance and body recomp. Um, and you can join the waitlist to work with her for one-on-one nutrition coaching. Um, follow us at Health Unfiltered Pod on Instagram and keep those awesome questions that will be coming. I'm sorry if I offended you yogis. It's just what I do. <laughs> sorry, I not am. sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm a debater. I'm an Enneagram 8. Um, but uh, yeah, rate us, <laughs> rate us, share and leave a review whenever you get, wherever you get your podcast, only if it's nice according to Brooke <laughs> um, but uh, yeah uh, thank you so much for, for listening it's been, it's been great and like I said we we crossed that half a year threshold so I think that's really awesome thank you for all our listeners and like the people who, who comment people who leave us messages and um, yeah let us know what else you want to keep talking about because we want to keep talking about certain things that we think are cool and things that you think are cool so um, reach out let us know how what direction you want to take this in. Um, but yeah, so it's been a great ride so far. I look forward to the next half a year and, and beyond. Uh, thank you again, Nicole, for, for that episode. It was really enlightening, like uh, the light that came behind Brooke. So it was a true, <laughs> like Jesus true, true come to Jesus movement. No, I love Thank you. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> All right, Brooke, lead us out. Cue that music. (laughs) Peace out, (laughs) y'all.